You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. We are in the midst of a sermon series reflecting on what it means to be the church. We're specifically narrowing in on a beautiful picture from Acts chapter 2 of what the body of Christ looked like right after it was first formed through the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And if you don't remember that picture, here are the verses from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, enjoying the favor of all the people as they praised God. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Previously, we learned that being the church means being a body that grows and matures through being in the word of God together. That being the church is coming together in koinonia, out of a common shared life that is in fact a participation and reflection of the life of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to focus on what it means to be the church through the breaking of bread. We're going to explore this theme by digging into a controversy that erupted within the Corinthian church, a grave misunderstanding about the breaking of bread that Paul speaks into in his first letter to the Corinthian church. Let's listen to that scripture right now. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy matter will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those were some harsh words from Paul that we just heard, weren't they? It's a rebuke that, trust me, we'll unpack a little later. Remember, we're looking at this specific passage as a way of better understanding what is our focal text for this series, what it means to be the church through that beautiful picture we see in Acts chapter 2. In this case, through the image of breaking bread together. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to break bread? Well, that phrase, breaking bread, is one that goes back for centuries. It finds expression across many cultures. And before we actually dig deeper into the phrase, let's briefly talk about the significance of bread itself. Bread has been a staple of diets of countless civilizations, whether it's made from wheat or rye, barley, millet, rice, or even potato flour. Bread has been the food of the ordinary, everyday working people. And in this way, bread has come to be representative, if you will, of all meals. I mean, to be without bread, when we say that, is synonymous with going hungry. And specifically during the time of the Roman Empire, most of the population at that time lived at or below subsistence. In other words, most in the Roman Empire lived below the poverty line. So particularly in that day and age, earning enough for one's daily bread was foremost on people's mind. And as a result, breaking bread was seen as a generous act of hospitality. The act of breaking bread the dividing of bread cakes or loaves into pieces was this idea of sharing it with others. More than this, the invitation to break bread was not just an invitation to share one's food, but to enter one's home and to sit at one's table. It was a gesture of vulnerability and exposure as a person willingly revealed to another how he or she actually lived day to day versus how that person presented themselves whenever they went out of the house. To break bread with someone is a lowering of a social barrier. It's a sign of acceptance, an act of inclusion. It's a decisive move towards forming a relationship with that person. In other words, breaking bread and the coming together of two or more parties in meal and friendship, breaking bread is an act of communion. And interestingly, I don't know if you caught this, the exact phrasing in verse 42 in the original Greek is the breaking not of bread, but the breaking of the bread. The breaking of the bread was a figure of speech, a synecdoche. What's mean, what that means is where a part stands for the whole. And so in this case, the phrase, the breaking of the bread, encompassed the fruit of the vine as well, the sharing of the cup what we know as Holy Communion, because Jesus takes all of the above, everything we talked about, the common understanding of what it means to break bread together, when he institutes what we to know today as the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist or Holy Communion, he takes all of that, that idea of breaking bread, and then he frames his coming to us, his offering of himself for us, as an act of generous hospitality, as an invitation to make our home with him, to find and share the fullness and abundance of life as it was meant to be in him. However, you know, Jesus also cast the particular breaking of this bread, of his body on the cross, through the memory and the meaning of a very specific meal, the Jewish Passover. The Passover meal instituted in the view of the Exodus, the liberation of Israel from its slavery in Egypt, the Passover meal commemorating a divine protection that becomes a human victory over the shadow of death. Established then in the tradition of this meal, the Passover meal, the particular breaking of this bread 
of Jesus's body and the covering of his blood as the perfect lamb of God becomes more than just a divine act of hospitality. No, Jesus creates a meal, a meal where our greatest hunger and thirst for forgiveness, for healing, for grace can be completely satisfied. Jesus offers us a meal wherein receiving his life given for our own, we can be led beyond death, our own exodus, to everlasting life. Through Holy Communion, Jesus sets a table to which we can keep coming back, a table, in fact, to which we need to keep coming back. For Holy Communion is a reminder, a reflection, an enactment of our constant and shared dependence as the body of Christ on the nourishment that comes from Jesus, from Christ who is our head. This table, this meal, is, if you will, our foretaste of eternity, of entering into an eternal moment. And the breaking of the bread is our remembrance of the past. It's looking back at the finished work of Christ, the finished work of our salvation, thanks to Jesus. In the breaking of the bread, at the same time, it's also the recognition of our present. Looking around and embracing our collective identity in Christ, realizing that we are part of a spiritual family that purposes to mature and to grow. And still in the breaking of bread, not just the past and the present, in the breaking of the bread is our reorientation to the future, looking forward to the certain promise of our resurrection and our homecoming through Christ as Jesus will return to make all things new. But it doesn't stop there. In the breaking of the bread of Christ offering himself to us, there is an intention to direct us also outwards in breaking bread with others. I mean, this is what we witness in the snapshot of the early church from Acts chapter 2, right? Their devotion to the breaking of bread, the breaking of the bread, Holy Communion, resulted in them breaking bread and eating together in their homes, as we're told, with glad and sincere hearts. You see, in the early church, Holy Communion was extended and shared in the home of a believer, as the culmination of a broader festive meal, very differently than we do it today. The bread and the wine remained present on the table in someone's home throughout the gathering. Then, at the conclusion of the feast, in the wake of the fullness and contentment of the meal, everyone's attention would then be directed to the one from whom all blessings flow. All who were present celebrated their common ground, their equality, and their union, both in their mutual need for and reception of God's forgiveness and healing, God's love and mercy, God's grace through Christ. Unlike our modern practice of this meal, they didn't just go to church to receive communion. No, they broke bread together as a way of embodying the communion they received in Christ. They became the church by opening their homes, inviting others to their tables, and sharing from what they had been given, especially with those who were in need. In other words, the first Christians perceived an inseparable relationship between their invitation and participation in communion with Jesus and how they interacted and treated each other and those around them. For them, breaking bread wasn't just a way of eating. For them, breaking bread was a way of living. They lived in communion, sharing what they had with one another. But much like for so many of us, this crucial connection soon got overlooked in the church and ultimately ignored. This is exactly what's happened to the church in Corinth. 
This is what the Apostle Paul, in the passage that we read, is so fired up about. See, unlike what we see in the picture from Acts chapter 2, everyone was not coming together to care for each other. Instead, there was a growing division within the body that ironically and troublingly stemmed from how they were observing Holy Communion. Here's what was going on. The affluent members in the, in the Corinthian church were arriving early. They were bringing their own food and drink to the meal, and they refused to wait for everyone else to arrive, everyone else being their poorer, lesser-resourced brothers and sisters in the community. Hastily eating and drinking their prepared meals so they could enjoy them without having to share, they ended up fat and happy, with some, as Paul writes, even getting drunk, while others were left to go hungry. Paul's rebuke is the Corinthians were living by a double standard. The haves, if you will, treated what they had, their food and drink that they brought, as their earnings, as their achievements, as their rightful property to keep to themselves rather than to share, to serve, to help the have-nots. In their premature celebration, these professed Christians did not distribute from what they had received by the grace of God to any that had need. That's what we see in Acts, right? No, instead of discerning the body, as Paul writes, instead of discerning the health of the community, these so-called followers of Jesus held on to more than was necessary, while others were left with not enough to survive. They had no problem, these believers, coming to the Lord's table and partaking of Holy Communion, even though they made no room at their table for others, particularly those who were hurting. Think about this. In participating in Holy Communion, these Christians were claiming to rely solely on the grace of God, even though they had none to give to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul, you heard it, pulls no punches when he writes, to live in this way, to exist in community like this, and yet still claim to be the body of Christ, is to eat and drink judgment upon yourself. Wow. I wonder sometimes if today we are more like those to whom Paul was writing in Corinth than the community we witness in Acts chapter 2. And I, I know that's a pretty strong statement to make, but let us consider the following. Over the centuries, in the majority of the church, we have radically altered both the rhythm and the practice of where and how Holy Communion is celebrated. We have institutionalized the breaking of the bread, moving it out of its original context of life in the home into a separate gathering space. We have become more focused on how this meal is officiated, having crafted strict regulations and legalistic definitions of membership in order for the bread to be shared. And what has been the net result of this? Ritual has overtaken the meal. The table has been fenced off. Many faith communities celebrate Holy Communion less frequently, maybe once a month, possibly only once a quarter. The bread is no longer broken and shared between us. Instead, how we celebrate communion, everyone gets their own pre-processed wafer. The bread's not broken and shared between us. Everyone gets their own pre-processed wafer. Some communities have even pushed the table from the center of the worship space where they gather to the corner or the side of the room, making Holy Communion self-serve. 
Come and receive Jesus whenever you choose while the rest of the service goes on. Getting your own individual piece of Jesus has eclipsed our interconnectedness through the Holy Spirit, our coming together as one in Christ. True communion as the body has been replaced by contention and division within the body. As when we come to the table, we argue over what breaking the bread means and who is welcome at the table. And not surprisingly, this breakdown internally in our understanding of what holy communion, of what breaking the bread together means, not surprisingly, this has spilled over into how we break bread with others, with the people around us. Our practice of segregation at the Lord's table has resulted in our continuing segregation from each other, from each other's tables, based on our politics, based on race, based on economics, even as we continue to gather as the church, even as we continue to call ourselves the body of Christ, we fail to treat others like Jesus did, as Christ commanded us. I mean, think about this. Look at it. Read it in the Gospels. Jesus spent the last years of his life teaching that all who follow him are called to serve others above themselves. Jesus told us directly that people will come to know him, that we belong to him, through how we love and care for those in need. Jesus emphasized that we, as recipients of his grace, ought to be particularly sensitive and responsive to the cries of the poor and the afflicted, to those who hunger and thirst for basic necessities and for righteousness. Jesus taught us breaking bread is a reminder that our lives are about more than ourselves. And yet, Here we are today, continuing to come to the Lord's table, claiming God's grace by being unwilling to extend it to each other. I mean, we speak of of others as our brothers and sisters in Christ, even as we are practically denying any responsibility to them. How many of us as Christians live in comfort and security while other parts of the body of Christ starve and remain exposed in our neighborhoods and throughout the world? How many of us as Christians champion our rights and our freedoms while our brothers and sisters of color right now can't breathe before repeated inequality and injustice? I ask you, are we not living out of the same double standard as the Corinthians to whom Paul was writing? Are we not like them, failing to recognize the provision of Christ as reflected through the bread broken and the wine poured out for all? that the bread broken and the wine poured out for all is intended to serve as the foundation of our sharing of everything we have been given by the grace of God for the provision and the needs of all. And as we dare to participate in Holy Communion, as we dare to profess we are the family of God, even as we functionally sit at separate tables, even as we deny our responsibility to each other, to those who hunger and thirst, again, for basic necessities and for righteousness, are we not also eating and drinking judgment upon ourselves? Beloved, Jesus in breaking bread with us, when we receive him as the bread of life given for all, the body of Christ does not become a part of us. We become a part of the body of Christ and we are one body in Christ, not 
because we go and gather in the same worship space and building. We are not one body in Christ because we were brought up or belong to a certain denomination or tradition in Christianity. We are not one body in Christ because of a shared political view, a common socioeconomic status, or the color of our skin. In fact, when we presume to take on ourselves the hosting of this meal, when we believe we get to make the invitation in terms of who has a place at this table, my friends, we have made the breaking of bread our own private party. We have made the breaking of the bread an unholy communion and not the feast that heralds the kingdom of God, not the feast, the foretaste of the Lord's hospitality and generosity intended to be expressed to all peoples and all nations, to all colors. We are only one body because we have been invited, not individually, but together, We are one body because we were brought, not individually, but together to the table of Jesus. We are one body because we are healed, nurtured, and ultimately made whole. Again, not individually, but together in Christ. Through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, through the victory of the resurrection, we are freed from the sins of prejudice and separation. We have been reconciled to God and one another. And what we have received from Christ, we are to share with others around us. If we have received everything we are and all that we have from Jesus, if there is nothing we can claim on our own, then everything we have, all that we are, is for the sake of others in Christ. My friends, nothing more concretely reflects our mutual identity as children of God that our identity in Christ takes precedent and prominence over any other identity we claim. Nothing proclaims our identity in Christ more than breaking bread together. Nothing more fully embodies our calling and our responsibility to all our brothers and sisters than than setting tables that have enough seats for everyone, that remove the barriers that divide and separate us, that ensure that there is more than enough love, more than enough mercy, more than enough justice for all. The first followers of Jesus not only remembered Christ in the breaking of the bread, they heeded Christ's call to follow him in loving and serving others by being willing to be broken like he was for the sake of ministering to those in need. My friends, let us, like them, realize we are each but one small piece in a much bigger loaf that is the body of Christ. Let us, like them, be willing to break bread with others as the way of pointing to the bread of life who was broken for all the world. Something happens. There is something revelatory about breaking bread together, especially when the meals that we share emerge from our communion with Christ. When we break bread with others, when we break bread with those who are strangers to us, as we listen to their stories, as we pay attention to their struggles and their failures, to their hopes and their dreams, we recognize, despite our differences, our common humanity. Our common humanity that is broken and yet still beautiful. Our common humanity seeking and longing for a salvation that can only be found, that can only be realized in Jesus. When we break bread with others, affirming the image of God that we share alike with them, choosing to love and to forgive them in the midst of their flaws as we are forgiven in Christ, we open ourselves to discovering and reflecting back to them 
the presence of Jesus already at work in and through them. And in so doing, we more clearly recognize Jesus as he continues to reshape and transform us into our very best selves. That's what it means to break bread together. That's what it means to be the church.